I'm Damian Bolwa, Managing Editor of the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth Admission, the race for a coronavirus vaccine comes to the Bay Area. As schools open with distance learning and sports seasons get canceled, developers of two of the most promising vaccine candidates are seeking volunteers in San Francisco, Oakland, and Santa Clara County. Aaron Alday, our frequent guide to the pandemic, is back on the podcast to talk about it. Aaron, thanks for coming again. Thanks for having me again. Aaron, this is obviously such a an important step and that people are following in the effort to try to reclaim our pre-pandemic lives. What's going on? Yeah, this is a pretty exciting development. Um, you know, there's been this really dramatic, exciting you know, race to develop uh, a vaccine in in really record time. I mean, we've never seen anything like this, the speed that they're moving to develop these vaccines to the coronavirus. You know, this thing was only identified, this virus, in January. um, And now, you know, we're in August and already starting really large-scale trials to test that these work, these early vaccines work in in large populations. Um, And this is really the last step we're in before you know, we consider um, federal approval, a- approval by the FDA to, to get this out to the public. Um, it's it's going to be, you know, a few more months yet before really any anything um, is approved. We really know whether these are working, but this is such a big step. And the exciting thing for the Bay Area is it's really the first time that people, you know, in this region will get to participate um, in in this work, which, you know, for a lot of people, that's that's pretty thrilling um, that that they can now step up and kind of do their part to to join these trials. All right. Well, let's let's talk about a few basics. I mean, is, is this a shot, this uh, vaccination? Yes, correct. It's a shot. Um, it's, uh, you know, a shot in the okay. arm. And, and just why do we need trials? I mean, what what are we what are we looking for beyond just whether it works? So they've already done the early trials that show, first of all, that these are safe in humans, um, that there aren't any really um, dramatic um, negative side side effects. Um, so they've done that sort of early work. And they've also done the early work that shows that when people get these vaccines, these two vaccines in particular, that they do trigger the appropriate immune response, meaning they see things in people's bloods, blood that shows that, you know, our their, their bodies are building up this kind of um, this this immune response in the form of antibodies in the form of of cells that kind of will fight the virus. So they've proven in the blood work that 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 happens, that these vaccines trigger that they make that happen. Um, now, what we're, we really want to see is when people get this, you know, if we compare a group of people that got the vaccine to a group of people that didn't, you know, are you less likely if you got the vaccine to actually get COVID-19? Um, and that's the endpoint for both of these trials is to just look at how many people actually get um, get the disease. Um, and so they're, you know, we're, we're at that stage where we just want to know, okay, you know, everything looks good. Does this actually hold up in real people that are out living their lives? Okay, you write that it's a double blind placebo study. Uh, Go through that. Correct. So placebo controlled means that some of the participants, um, possibly half, maybe a few, a few more than half will be getting the actual active, you know, experimental vaccine. Um, And then the remaining participants get a placebo, which in this case is essentially a a vaccine that doesn't do anything. So it's just kind of, you know, a, a random a molecule that just isn't going to do anything in their bodies. Um, and what that lets you do is is test, you know, the vaccine against people who haven't been vaccinated. 
Um, the other aspect of that is this double blind, which what the double blind means that neither the participants, so the people actually getting the shots, nor the researchers, so the people giving the shots, knows who's getting the vaccine and who isn't. They have a means for recording that information. Um, you know, they obviously want to write it down and keep track, but the but that's for the scientists doing the data analysis to look at down the road. Um, none of the people you don't want people changing their behavior people's behavior. Exactly, right? exactly. It's really easy to introduce bias into these studies if you know who is who. Um, and like you said, people will certainly change their behavior based on whether they think they have a vaccine or not. Okay. And you hope people that get the placebo don't change their behavior and let their guard down, don't wear a mask, those kinds exactly. of things. Exactly. You don't want, really, they don't want anybody to do anything any differently once they, they get that shot in the arm. Okay. All right. So then how do they measure results and how quickly are we going to see those? They measure results pretty simply. I mean, they're going to be checking in with these folks regularly. They'll be doing blood draws and just checking in with them about symptoms, you know, how are they feeling, that kind of thing. Um, and with the blood draws, they'll be looking for that that for that that immune response. So they'll be looking for that signs in the blood that that people have, you know, the antibodies that they've they kind of been primed to fight it off or not. Um, but really, the main thing they'll be looking at are simply do people get sick? Um, and by sick, they mean actual COVID-19 with symptoms and everything. They're not, they, they will be monitoring if people get, you know, an asymptomatic infection, but that's not really their main goal. Their main goal is to prevent actual illness. So people getting symptoms of COVID-19. Um, and because of that, as you might imagine, that's going to take some time to just let people kind of go out in the wild um, and be exposed or not be exposed. And some will be infected and some won't. Um, they're hoping that they might have some early results within a few months, um, at least get, you know, enough cases, enough um, infections to start kind of noticing a difference between the two the two groups. Um, but probably we won't have really um, solid results for six months or so. Um, keep in mind that the Bay Area is one small piece of this arm. So we're looking at about 1,400, uh, about 1,400 total participants in, in both of the trials um, in the Bay Area in this early part of it. Um, but both of these trials are enrolling about 30,000 people each um, globally. Okay. But you mentioned the dangers. Um, are you saying there's no danger during a trial like this that, that perhaps um, the vaccine that they're given makes them more prone to get the coronavirus or 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 has side effects that that make them sick in some other way. No, I mean, you know, you you always want to be careful in saying that these things, I mean, they are experimental experimental vaccines um and one of the things they're looking for are side effects, are 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 problems, you know, with the vaccination. There is no risk with either of these of people of the vaccine itself giving people the coronavirus, giving people COVID-19. Um neither of these these candidates has active um virus in the vaccine itself, so it's impossible that you will get get COVID-19 from getting um getting the vaccine. Um, and, and they certainly are not going to behave in a way that would make people more vulnerable to, to COVID-19. A, a worst case would be that it just has no effect at all. Um, you know, there, there is potential for side effects and both of these have shown in, in early studies that, you know, they can lead to everything from fatigue to sort of malaise, um, you know, body aches, those kinds of things, but they tend to go away within a couple days and, you know, and generally like respond to something like Tylenol, um, you know, Advil, some kind of over the counter. Um, and they're not, not everybody gets those effects. Okay. And why the Bay area? 
so the Bay Area has been has a has a deep history in vaccine development um, for for a variety of vaccines. Um, to a large extent with HIV, with developing an HIV vaccine, which of course we don't have an HIV vaccine yet. That's proved extremely difficult to pull off. But we have scientists who are here who have been working on, you know, that development for decades, for, for 20, 30 years. And they have very well established um, clinical trial networks um, with the scientists and the nurses, um, technicians. Um, the community outreach, kind of outreach, all the pieces that you need to very quickly ramp up a vaccine development program, and so it's it just makes sense to to tap into these pre existing networks that that are already built up. They're ready to go. Um, they know how to enroll people quickly. Um, just how to do kind of all the minutia that gets gets wrapped into a clinical trial because because clinical trials are complicated. They require you know, just knowing how to get consent from a patient, knowing how to talk to participants about their risks, um, knowing how to identify, you know, the most vulnerable um, volunteers in your community who may not have access to healthcare or, you know, maybe kind of outside our traditional realms of healthcare. These networks are already established to find those people and to get them involved in these trials, which is going to be so important with this vaccine in particular. Aaron, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk to you more about the something you're writing about, which is the challenges moving forward of getting a vaccine produced and distributed. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth in Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa. I'm here with health reporter Aaron Alday. We're talking about the quest for a vaccine in the coronavirus pandemic. Aaron, you know, you you are writing right now about not only how difficult it is to to do trials to to discover these vaccines, but but it doesn't stop there, right? The challenge is going to go on for months and is going to involve production and distribution. Correct. Um if in 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 some might argue that what we're dealing with now in terms of developing these vaccines is almost the easy part of this um, compared to the logistics of getting a vaccine out, you know, around the world, really. Um, the goal of a vaccine program, a global vaccine program, is to get herd immunity. So to get enough people immunized that we can stop the spread of disease, we can stop this pandemic. Um, we think that that's going to require, you know, potentially immunizing 60%, maybe even 80% of the world. You know, you can do the math on 6 billion people. Um, that's that's a lot of doses of this vaccine we need to get out. Um, and that's just, it's going to require a massive amount of manufacturing, um, of manufacturing quickly. Um, we're not going to be able to produce that many doses right out of the gate. So we're going to have, even if we're we're ma manufacturing hundreds of millions of doses. And frankly, a lot of these these manufacturers, these these vaccine developers, they've already started that. They're already making manufacturing vaccine even as they do these trials with the expectation that if it fails, they'll just have to throw that out. But they're moving at such a breakneck speed that they're kind of willing to gamble on that investment on on sort of producing the vaccine right now, even while it's still experimental, just so that they can move that much faster to get it around the world. Um, but, you know, with these with these early doses, these first hundreds of millions, you know, there's people are already expecting they're going to have to make really difficult choices about who gets the first rounds. How do you do that um, in a way that's that's fair, that gets us kind of the most bang for our buck? Um, you want to 
you know, give it to people who are vulnerable, but also given it, you want to give it to the people for whom the vaccine is going to be most effective. Um, there's a lot of really complex um, kind of issues that that get worked into this this problem of of how you immunize the world. But you're saying they're already packaging up these vaccines uh, for distribution just in case, because if they wait to see if it's a, a good vaccine, then you're already behind by weeks or months. Exactly. They want to be able, as soon as they have data that says these vaccines work, they want to be able to push them out to the world. Wow. All right. And what about, you know, what about people's willingness to take the vaccine? Obviously, there is there are vaccine skeptics out there or opponents of vaccines. Um are enough people going to be willing to to take it? And is there a challenge around education? That's definitely a challenge. Um, that's definitely something that's on people's minds already. Um, as as we all know, there you know we have a lot of of people who are anti vaccine already in this country. Um, that's not a huge proportion of the country. You know, the people who are straight up anti vaccine. Um, I think probably the bigger issue is there going to be a lot of people who are just hesitant about something that's, you know, that's so new. We've pushed this through really quickly. People are going to be understandably, you know, they're going to have questions and they're going to have concerns about that. And I think there's going to be a huge campaign to talk to people about the safety, to be very transparent with them. Um, You know, this is this is all happening so fast. It's a a dynamic situation. Um, I think. You know, there are a lot of people who are going to be really eager to sign up, who are going to be really eager to get these this this vaccine. Um, And, you know, the idea is, I mean, if you're if you're immunized, if this works, you can get back to your your life sooner than than others. Right. I mean, so I think they're going to be probably playing into that a little bit. It's going to be, if anything, striking a weird balance between distributing it fairly to all the people who do want it, but also reaching the people who are going to be hesitant. Um, and that's going to, you know, that's, that, that's another complication in this, in this global, this global vaccination effort that we're going to be looking at. All right. So you mentioned fairly a couple of times. Um, I think a lot of people's instinct when they hear this is to say, well, the wealthy are going to, to get the vaccine and the same kinds of disparities we've seen so far in, in healthcare in the pandemic are going to, are going to show themselves again. Um, what do we know about that? That's definitely something that's on people's mind right now. So, you know, it's you worry that the people with the access to health care, the people who are already kind of tapped into these these healthcare networks, you know, they're they're going to be I you know, in, in theory they could be the first to get it just because they have they have that access, they have that education, they have that awareness, they're gonna know to ask their doctor to seek out a vaccine, all of that. And the truth is to get this pandemic in shape, we really actually wanna get it out to the people who are most at risk. So you can argue that, yes, you want to give it to folks who are older and are more more vulnerable to severe illness. You want to get it to people with underlying health problems. But we also want to get it out to our essential workforce. We want to get it out to our communities of color that have been hit hardest by this virus because, well, because they're the ones that have been hit hardest. It's a matter of fairness, but it's also that's going to get our, the, the pandemic that's going to stop the spread the fastest is to get it to the people who are being most exposed, who are the ones that are actually getting infected. So you, you know, it's, it's equitable for everybody, for society at large to give it to the people who need it the most. Yeah, but obviously very difficult decisions. Bottom line, Aaron, what's the time frame around all of this? 
So I think that even though we're seeing this move really quickly and there's definitely some hope that we could get some of these approved, you know, before the end of the year, most folks still seem to think that we're looking at at early next year, um, the first half of next year, really, to be doing this this widespread immunization effort. That that's when we will have, you know, a couple of different candidates, hopefully, maybe even four or five or six candidates that we can get out there. That's when the manufacturing will really pick up. So that's when, for, for most of us, that's when we'll probably really see this, this taking shape. Um, but yeah, the hope is that we might have, you know, one or two candidates up for federal approval start getting out to people, you know, even before the end of this year. All right. Well, it would certainly be nice to see you again, Aaron, if that if that happens, um, rather than just on Zoom. I'm looking forward to that it. That would be so fantastic. Thanks for all your work. We really appreciate you coming on and, and, and telling us about the latest and keep up the good work on the pandemic. Thanks, Damien. Great talking to you. Thanks to my guest today, health reporter Aaron Alday, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. 